Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 473 with Doug Racky. Yeah, absolutely. The first, the first plan of the three is what we call a feasibility study. Second plan is a concept development plan. And the third plan is a actual business plan. And, you know, like the old, the old adage remains, if you fail to plan, then plan, uh, plan to fail, right? Um, these are your blueprints. These three plans are your blueprints um, towards your success. It's no different than building a house. You know, you need to have these plans in place. Um, you need to build a restaurant that is scalable, uh, profitable, consistent, uh, sustainable, and, and memorable. And you can't do that without putting these three plans in place. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable you can get a $50 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a k line of credit is subject to credit approval c terms and conditions all cabbage business loans are issued by celtic bank a utah chartered industrial bank member fdic what's sorcery sorcery is ap automation digital invoicing and time and money saved that's Sorcery. Sorcery allows you to streamline and digitize your entire accounts payable operation. Digital invoicing backed with human verification will save you countless hours of work and increase AP accuracy. Say goodbye to your file cabinets and enter the digital world. Go to GetSorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com or call 1-866-830-0691. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you will receive 10% off your first three months with no setup fees. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Doug Radke. Doug, are you feeling unstoppable today i certainly am man i'm appreciative of this opportunity i'm looking forward to this uh chat dude i I can't wait to and uh before we dive in real quick shout out to my boy aaron johnson over at tipsy for recommending doug uh putting him on my radar and i can't wait to dive into who you are your story and some cool things uh today you're going to talk to us about the three key plans we need when starting a restaurant but let me just tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are uh, doug radke is the owner and founder of key restaurant group a restaurant bar startup development agency in canada with 17 years of experience radke is a leading voice in the the development of feasible studies unique concepts business plans marketing plans memorable menus guest experiences and financial management systems obviously we're just scraping the surface doug i can't wait to to dive into that story but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you have for us well i got a quick little uh story for you here actually so when i was about uh, seven or eight years old um i was having that chat with my grandfather what do you want to do uh when you're older kind of thing and uh, one of the things that he told me was um whatever 
you want whatever you do, um, make sure you're waking up excited to go to work um, every single day, and if not, find new work. And that's something I've kind of lived by um, every day since. Not sure why that stuck with me at such a young age, but um, it really did. And um, essentially told me, though, you have to love what you do, have the passion for what you do, um, and especially in the hospitality industry where it's such a people person, you got to really, really love what you're doing. So Yeah, and just even the compound off of what you just shared with us, uh, in this industry, one of the key like it factors, if you will, the things I've noticed to be so important to the success of people in this industry is just the, the work ethic, the drive, the willingness to show up every day when most people are just like, I've had enough. And the reason why, in my opinion, they're able to do that is because they are just in love with the work they're doing the day to day, the, the craziness of it all. Uh, it's, it's the, the, the work itself that makes them get up every day and just, that passion for what they do. And it's just even more so in this industry is that so important because of how grueling and, you know, ridiculous this industry can be. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And let's, let's find out a little bit more about who you are, your story, what makes you an authority on the, on the, the subject of these three key plans you're going to share with us. We won't dive into those now, but let's just kind of learn more about you first. Yeah, for sure. Well, I started out the uh, in this industry. I was about fourteen, I think, maybe fifteen. You know, starting in the in the dish pit. You know, washing dishes at a small independent restaurant here in Brantford, which is about an hour south of Toronto. Um, a little restaurant called uh, Marco Polo's. I remember it as if it was yesterday. Um, it was this concept that had this Chinese food and Italian food mixed buffet. Kind of strange. Now that I know more about. <laughs> the industry in that these days, but um, definitely not a concept that I would probably suggest right now. However, it immediately develops um, my passion for the industry. Um, but when I was going through school, I was also had this passion in me about business and entrepreneurship. And then I kind of just put the two together and uh, haven't looked back since. Um, I've held a variety of different positions throughout uh, the hospitality and restaurant industry. Um, and in 2009, um, I started my own independent uh, restaurant consulting firm called Key Restaurant Group. And um, since then, I've helped uh, numerous brands get started all the way from planning stage uh, right up to grand opening and, and beyond. So. Okay, so you started working in the industry, uh, 15 years old, working in the dish pit. Uh, how old were you when you started your own consultancy firm? Uh, I was about 26, 27 uh, years old when I started my own agency. Okay. Um, so it's like 12 years went by in the time you got into the industry until you opened your own firm. Yeah. Correct. So what things did you do? What did the progression of your career look like during those, those seven years? Yes. They started like I, I mentioned seven years ago. Was it 12 pit. years? Oh, sorry. 14 uh, to 27. You said. Yeah. So yeah, it's about that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty close. <laughs> So, yeah, um, that's where I started. Uh, you know, I just gradually uh, worked my way up the, the restaurant chain, if you will, um, different positions. And um, I got into management positions, and then I started getting in, going to school for operations management, uh, marketing, advertising business, um, hospitality management as well. And then um, from there, uh, that's where I started networking as much as I could throughout the uh, throughout the industry, going to as many events as possible, meeting, trying to meet the right, the right people, speak to the right people, um, learn from the right people and just continuously, um, got out of my comfort zone 
um, in that regards. And then I was uh, headhunted, if you will, um, um, to work at the airport and help um, the startup of some lounges at the Toronto Pearson Airport. So reflecting back at your career uh, from the time you were 15 to the time you were 27, um, yep. that's uh, 12 years. I'm sorry, yep. I said seven years before. Uh, yep. Are there any key moments, Doug? Anything that you think really uh, was most significant in your progression as a professional? Um, just, you know, marrying the two of um, the restaurant side of things or the restaurant business and the business side of things. There's, uh, in my opinion, a quite a big difference between knowing how to cook and actually knowing how to run a successful business. Um, and that's from the, my other passion for like entrepreneurship uh, and that kind of came into play. So what, what do you think the big difference is between, um, I think you're, you're spot on. So many people get into this industry because they love food. They love serving other people. They love making right. other people happy. And that's a key part. You really need that, that natural, uh, part of just pleasing others and sure. en- enjoying the, yeah, uh, like, we got to remember that, you know, the restaurant, is a business at the end of the day. Um, there's a lot of people and I see it quite a bit through my agency now, you know, I either, I usually have one of two situations. I have a, a cook or a chef that wants to now open their own restaurant, or I have this business person who wants to open a restaurant and maybe get into the kitchen side of things. Right. So, um, there's, there's those two components and, understanding that you can't just you know start a restaurant because it's a it's a hobby of yours because you love cooking at home um your friends think you make the the best steak in the neighborhood kind of thing and you can go open up a steakhouse right um there's a lot of components that need to come into play um you need to have that passion for it as as we said before but um you have to take care of your customers you have to take care of employees you have to pay taxes you have to control your costs you have to market and advertise you have to pay your rent your leasing pay back loans the list goes on like you have to really understand the restaurant industry works yeah absolutely and another key thing that you mentioned um during this process the the evolution of your career was uh, your ability your ability to network. So at what point in your career um, did you really see the significance of getting out there and networking and meeting people? At what point, how old were you when you started really doing that? Um, Early twenties. Okay. I would say it was about that. Where would you go? Like, how would you find people? Was there a plan? Yeah, was just doing research online. I was reading this, like, what do successful people do? Um, networking and getting your name out there was uh, top of a lot of people's lists. Um, I, was a, I was a shy kid growing up, and, you know, it was one of those things, okay, if this is what I want to do and I want to take, uh, you know, a career out of this and not just be um, somebody that's not um, – like, I had a vision for myself, and I wanted to make a huge career out of it. Um, I wanted to have my own story, my own, my own business one day. So it was like, what avenue can I take? I wanted to have my own. It was a plan all along to have my own agency um, at one point. And, you know, it was what do I need to do to get to that stage? And, you know, networking was on the top of a lot of successful business people's lists. So it's something I took to, to heart. And um, I started going to just as many, you know, there's, there's beer tastings, there's, you know, all these tasting events out there, there's food, food and beverage events from local cities. 
there's industry leading events. There's uh, like up here in uh, Canada and Toronto, there's the Restaurants Canada show. Um, just going to all those types of uh, events that are driven by the industry and just getting my name out there as much as possible. So when you're getting your name out there, what, what did that like? Were you going out there? Like, oh, I'm going to try to introduce myself to as many people as possible. Did you have a plan on how to meet people? Uh, were you being strategic about who you're talking to? Were you really trying, I was to-, trying to find out like the type of people that go to these certain events that I was going to, if I could get, if there was a list of who was going to be there, I try to look into that as much. It's a lot easier nowadays to do those types of things because of uh, like LinkedIn and, social media and all of that as well. Um, but um, it's, it was definitely more challenging at that stage, but it was just trying to meet as many people and go through that chain of, of connections as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So at what point in your career did you realize, you, you said that the, the biggest lesson you, you learned uh, was realizing that there's the restaurant side of things. And what I thought, what I think you mean by that is like the emotional, uh, like passion, right. Uh, the human the side of it, for, the passion side of it, yeah. all. and then and then the op, the, the business side, side of it. Together. So, at what point in your career, did, like, give me like a uh, an age where you realize that? Um, that's when you know I really I think I got into the airports uh, component and really that's where the the planning side of so this was really after you got play. you got headhunted and recruited, right? Okay, um, so what was the key connection? Uh, how did these people find you? Was there one person that you met and did they introduce you? Like, take us through that, right. that, yeah, that it process. Was just of a series of people that um, I had met uh, at a few different events. And then I just got a phone call one day to come in and um, met with a, a gentleman in downtown Toronto at a swanky little hotel and uh, met there, had lunch and um, yeah, I just went from there and we started planning or the very first uh, uh, at the airport. Okay. So take us to the moment, Doug, take us through this conversation. Uh, what did that conversation look like? Were you nervous? Like how did he, like how did you sell yourself to this guy? Uh, yeah, I got to think back to that, uh, that day. I haven't thought about that too much uh, recently, but um, yeah, I remember just, you know, I took the train. I, like, I don't live in Toronto. So, you know, at that time, it was like, oh, this is another trip to downtown Toronto. Um, I had my resume in hand, my portfolio, and, you know, we met. Had a great, it was, in, in my opinion, it wasn't really like an interview either. It was, it was just to sit down and have a chat, um, which is another great thing that I learned throughout uh, uh, my career as well in terms of interviewing. But, um, yeah, it was just more of a chat for about an hour and um, just talked about um, business, the the industry, um, what their goals were, how I could uh, hit those goals, help that team um, get going. How did you think and, you could help that team? Re- reflecting back to that conversation. Uh, yeah, it was just um, like my background in terms of uh, the management, the operation side, um, putting the financial systems in place for, for this location. Um, the the relationship building the marketing aspects um, like we built had to build a lot of relationships with airlines for example so setting up all those types of plans and strategies um, putting the goals in place for that first year so one of the ways you sold yourself to this gentleman was hey I'm really good at building relationships I think I can help you put a strategy together to develop these uh, these relationships that we're going to need to really excel in this vertical of uh, an airport 
uh, right. space. Um, did you actually know how you were going to do that? Were you bullshitting the entire time? Like, did, or like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't have necessarily like an actual uh, game plan from that day on that specific day. But um, of course, once um, things started rolling, then, you know, the actual plan started uh, to be put into place uh, going forward. So, but yeah, um, I threw a, maybe a couple of uh, ideas. I can't remember what they were at this, this moment, but um, I wouldn't say I was BSing it, but yeah, it was definitely nothing that I had wrote on wrote on paper and had planned to say uh, during that interview. So, so I think the big lesson that to draw from this is just the the significance of getting yourself out there. Uh, I think Absolutely. so so often, like we we we're working crazy hours, you know, at least fifty hours on on average in this industry. And when we have our own time, our time off, we want to maybe just stay home, watch a movie, uh, hang out with friends, like, you know, right. veg out, those, but really you got to get out there on your free time. Exactly. You got to meet those are the sacrifices. Um, you know, I made, I think I, I, unfortunately I lost a few relationships or friendships, if you will, um, throughout that process because, you know, they're going out partying or whatever on Friday night, Saturday nights. And then I was, you know, trying to build a name for myself and not being able to attend those types of things. So, you know, it does come with some sacrifice. Um, something that I wish maybe I spent more time doing with friends and that, but, you know, I built new relationships as time goes on and also uh, re- reconnected with some of those lost ones over the last few years as well. So. It all comes around full circle in my in my opinion. So you're 27 years old. You got the gig. You're working for this company in at the Toronto airport. Uh, take me through maybe two or three, if you can think of three evolutionary points from the time you're 27 on uh, growing as a professional where you kind of, I guess, really just evolved the most. Can you think of three examples of like aha moments you said you realized that the first one was that uh you realize that there's the restaurant like the the human emotional side the passion right. side and then there's the operations business side uh take us through that aha moment yeah um that's trying to remember back to that aha moment uh, spe- specifically but it was during that time where you know it was get- getting near that two or three year mark that i had been with this company i had seen gone through the growth growth there and you know that that itch for entrepreneurship just started um, coming at me and I was trying to think you know what how I could exit this uh, this business and start my own uh, venture and that's where that started to come through um, for myself was in that it was about 2009 where when I left um, the airport and started my own agency and that's where you know things that I learned throughout that would be you know um, just to be innovative, adapt to changes, um, would income complacent, things like that, and uh, went forward. So, two thousand nine. Um, how many years after that? What, what year did you did you come on board with this this company? The, the with uh, you were twenty seven. Yeah. No. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. I was. I was at the airport for uh, two and a half, three years. Two and a half, three years. Um, any other in that two and a half, three years, aside from realizing that there's the operations side, what were the other, like, can you think of any other key lesson, any key thing you learned in that experience that we can share with my listeners? Um, you know, just like for me at that point, it was time management, um, stress management, um, work life balance, because again, even in the, the industry is for hospitality. Like you said, you know, you're working 50, 60 hours at the airport. It's even, even more when you tie in 
going through security every day, um, parking and all that kind of stuff as well, and traveling to to the airport each and every day. You know, it made for extremely long on moments and you know i was building a relationship uh, with my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife and you know we it was put making a hard uh, hardship for that relationship as well working the hours i was so it was really just learning or trying to learn um, a proper work life balance if you will at that so moment so work life balance time management was there one thing one habit one skill one uh technique of time management that you picked up during this time that you can share with us? One thing you started doing differently to manage your time better? Um, just scheduling my, for myself, like actually putting a plan into place for my day to day. Okay. This is what I need to do when I get into work. These are nothing should uh, take me away from that during this period of time. And just, trying to put an actual structure together. Um, what did that structure day. look like? Did you sit down and write a list first? Like what was that? What's that process? At that time I did. Yeah. It was just literally listing out a day in the life of, if you will. Um, and now we have all, like some technology here that uh, can help with those kind of things, but uh, there wasn't too much of that kicking around. That was really good and useful at the time. But um, yeah, it was just most so manual effort writing that down and and trying to stick to it as would you write it down the night before or the morning of um i would usually do like a week kind of try to set up my week in advance okay what was going on so you'd you'd write down all the things you need to do in a week and then you would would you prioritize like how did you know how to do what first put a a little system with numbers i would prioritize it um, check off everything because you know that's another big thing is as you're moving forward is checking off accomplishments so they know it's done. Um, it gives you that motivation to to move forward on on other tasks as well. So you said you're using technology now to help you do that. What what tools are you leveraging now to to work off that list? Yeah, um, like I have uh, time management uh, dashboards and that that I use now. Um, one company it's called the Get Flow, I think it is. I'm sorry, did you say Get Workflow? Is that what it's called? Just getflow.com. Getflow.com. All right. This is episode two or sorry, 473 headed to the show notes. I'll link to that if you guys want to check it out. And now let's bring it to 2009 where you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to open my own agency. I want to be my own uh, consultant. Like when did you know, how did you know you were ready? Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's a really good question. I don't, I'm, to this day, I don't even know if I really knew at the time. It was just, I think it's just with anybody starting a business, you know, you're ready to take those risks. Um, with my experience and, and knowledge around business plans, I had started to work on my own business plan at the time um, while I was still working at the airport. And um, fortunately for me, they were, they knew about it um, and they were very uh, supportive of what my future plans were and my exit strategy was for, for leaving their company. And starting my own firm, um, so yeah, it was it was just a, you know I had a lot of chats with family, um, put that support system um, for myself together, including you know my wife, and um, you know just put in those personal structure and business structure that, that we had, um, and my wife was still working at her job at the time, so we were in a comfortable position for me to take that that risk. So I think one key thing to like really accept in life is that you're never going to be ready. I think a lot of people wait until they're ready to do something like, Oh, when the time's right, the truth is the time's never going to be right. You just need to start, you know, and maybe you're not ready when you start. 
and you get out there, you fall on your ass, but now you have an aiming point. You gauge the situation. You know why you failed. And the next time out, like you'll be, you'll, you'll do what you need to do differently to be ready. Um, sure. But you never know unless you just get out there and fall on your ass a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a fair point, but I think, you know, there is ways that you can reduce that. Yeah, absolutely. Reduce that potential risk of early failure. And, you know, we see that quite a bit in um, this industry yeah. where there's, you know, quite a high, high rate of failure within the 18 months. We're right? going to so. hit those. I think that in the three key plans that we can have that you want to share sure. with us. Um, so what were your biggest challenges, I guess, getting started in starting your own agency? Uh, well, the biggest challenge for me was, you know, my age at the time, I was a, a young professional and, you know, you, you got to build that trust with people that are willing to part with their investments. And, you know, I just did that through a lot of um, structure within my own business. Um, I embraced that challenge. I built strong portfolios. I built the right relationships, um, just continuously learned, grew, um, and then just tried to prove my experience uh, as much as possible. I have a strong work ethic, um, which always showed in every project that I worked on from day one. So, Awesome. So I'm curious, working with a lot of restaurateurs, they're hiring you for your skills as a consultant. Have you noticed any patterns, any characteristics between the people who seem to really get it and thrive and do well and those who just never quite sure make it Absolutely. what are the key things you picked up like this like this industry is as you know like it's cutthroat plain and simple and i try to tell people that in my very first meeting with them um you should have experience uh, either managing a kitchen or front of house uh, area of a restaurant before opening your own restaurant and you need to pair this with you know a very high level of sacrifice um systemized thinking social skills, creativity, um, stress management, and, you know, obviously with the pair that all that again, with a lot of passion as well. So social skills, uh, previous experience being one of the key factors. Uh, what is about like the, the key things they do, like the, the actions they take, the habits they have, anything. Yeah, you gotta, um, just like we've said uh, in this podcast, you know, you gotta have that strong work ethic, um, you need to be a people person. You're going to be dealing with people, um, your own staff, and obviously uh, customers each day. Um, you can't let small things irritate you. You got to be extremely um, customer service focused. People, people first mentality um, definitely is is a huge skill to have. All right, beautiful. Okay, so let's talk about these three things. So we're, during the pre-interview chat, when we we're talking and saying, "Hey, Doug, I want to get you on the show. Anything in particular you want to talk about?" And you said, "There's three." key plans that every restaurant tour should have uh, when starting a restaurant. And this is where you specialize in startups, getting people uh, opening their doors. So what are the three key plans that you make sure your clients are implementing when opening a restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. The first, the first plan of the three is what we call a feasibility study. Second plan is a concept development plan. And the third plan is a actual business plan. And, you know, like the old, the old adage remains, if you fail to plan, then plan, uh, plan to fail, right? Um, these are your blueprints. These three plans are your blueprints um, towards your success. It's no different than building a house. You know, you need to have these plans in place. Um, you need to build a restaurant that is scalable, uh, profitable, consistent, uh, sustainable and, and memorable. And you can't do that without 
putting these three plans into place. Okay, so let's let's dive into this first plan, the feasibility plan. To get specific. What's a feasibility plan? Feasibility. Okay. Well, the first thing you want to do, uh, well, feasibility study at the end of the day is something that's going to help define and analyze the market space. Make sure um, you're laying out all of the local demographics, your competitors. Uh, the traffic flow, like actual physical pedestrian or vehicle traffic flow, target neighborhoods or hyper-local areas that we like to call it. Um, you just need to really define that market viability, location viability, um, business viability, and financial viability. Those are the key components. To um, a Hit those key study. components again for me real quick. I'll make sure I got them all. Yeah, so those key components are defining your market viability, location viability, business viability, and financial viability. And what I also normally throw in as a, as a self-assessment within the feasibility study as well, so I understand where that client is coming from. Um, I ask them why they want to open a restaurant, um, why they personally think there's such a high failure rate within 18 months, um, what's the difference between success and survival, um, and then note the expectations for realistic uh, profit versus the lifestyle they want to live and how important growth is to them, um, both personally and professionally. Those are questions that I like to ask because I think that's also going to determine the viability of, of the business moving forward. Okay, wait, real quick. When do you ask these questions? I ask those questions uh, basically after we get st- as soon as we get started with after our agreement uh, with the clients. And these are the very first questions that we start asking them just to kind of uncover where they sit uh, personally and professionally in terms of, of what they want to see with their restaurateur type of career. So this is the first of the three uh, studies or the, 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 the first of the three plans that you cover, the feasibility study. And before you start the feasibility study, you ask those questions real quick. Run off those questions for me again. Absolutely. I basically want to uh, ask them why they want to open that restaurant. I want to dive into what that reasoning is, um, why they believe in their in their words, um, why there is a high percentage of failure within the first 18 months, um, what the difference um, for them is between success and survival, um, and note the expectations of realistic profit uh, versus the lifestyle that they want to live. And how important growth is to them, both personally and professionally. So, what are you looking for during these questions? Like, what are you trying to get at? What, like, what's the? I'm just, I'm just trying to uncover their story, make sure they understand um, what they're getting themselves into. Um, that, like, I said, this industry is cutthroat. This is not for everybody. Um, you need to have the, those right characteristics and the right mindset, the right passion, the right. Uh, history and education or experience um, to help you get to opening a successful restaurant. Yeah. I think that's uh, one one thing that has recently come up on the show. I had a guest on the show. I think it was Mark uh, Jensen and it said, let your willingness determine your growth. It was basically what I pulled from that, that, that conversation and exactly what we're talking right now. Like, do you have a realistic idea of what it's going to take uh, both financially and even beyond that, emotionally, are you willing to not only put up the money and take the risk, but are you willing to show up every day? And this is what it's going to take. And are you really yeah. checked into what it's going to take for this project, this restaurant, this dream of yours to be feasible? And I don't think a lot of us really take the time to to ask these questions. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I try to get these questions out there just to get them thinking and understanding that, you know, this may not be for you. You might think it is, but in reality, it might not. I just want to make sure, you know, and it's extremely hard to know for sure at the very start whether they are or not, but it just helps uh, under, uncover some of those questions and those possible risks uh, early on um, before so, we really get get going. So you ask those questions and then you move into the feasibility for location, the feasibility for market. Uh, is it in the finance and in the business? Any key things yeah. in those, uh, those, those, do you want to dive into those a little more or do you want to move on to yeah, the next well, one? I can just, you know, break down a few points for each, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of market viability, we're, we're really diving into those, those target neighborhoods, the demographics, um, the income levels, what um, is currently there in terms of other restaurants and food service businesses, not even just restaurants anymore. We've got to look at, you know, grocery stores and everything else as well that are potentially serving food. Um, and then, um, you know, location viability, uh, where potentially this could go in, ter- um, in terms of actual physical location. And then we start breaking down what a potential size would look like. Um, and is that going to match the market that's currently there? Um, in terms of business, we un- uncover, you know, food and beverage suppliers in the area, um, what the the market kind of looks like in terms of um, experience in the workforce and what that workforce profile is kind of currently looking like. And there are also business structure that they want to put into the restaurant. And then the financial viabilities, that's where we start really breaking down some initial uh, costs in terms of everything that we know so far. Okay. Um, so right now you just kind of broke down the market, um, portion of the feasibility study, the location portion of the feasibility study, correct? Yeah. Did I miss anything? And the business. In yeah, the business. we did. I just kind of broke down all four there. Oh, okay. For That's fast. Okay. And, um, and then I just take, take all four of those viabilities and I actually have like a scoring system that I've put together for each one. And at the end it's uh, based out of a hundred. And if you're scoring, you know, under, under 80, I'm suggesting that we don't go with that that market or that concept um, in that area. Okay. Um, so the next, do you, is there anything else you want to mention on the fe- the feasibility portion, the, the feasibility planning part of this before we move on to the next? Yeah, just uh, that restaurateurs need to understand how important a feasibility study really is. A lot of uh, restaurateurs, you know, just start with a business plan. A feasibility study is extremely important. It's going to uncover a lot of uh, different questions and uh, different scenarios that um, somebody that's looking to start or invest in a restaurant is really going to need to know to make sure that a restaurant is perfect or close to perfect for the market that they're looking to get into. Okay. So the next plan that you have your clients go through is the concept development plan. What are the key variables of the concept development plan? Yeah, that's where, you know, and it's kind of like a series of plans, right? So you do your feasibility, then you get into defining that concept based on what the market is telling you. Um, like as, again, it has to be something that the, the market both wants and needs. Um, but the concept plan is going to be where you're going to take your idea and really give it, start to give it a little bit of an identity. Um, this is where you're going to maybe start outlining your value, your vision, your mission, your culture statements. Um, outlining your service style, service sequence, um, outlining initial menu concepts, the equipment that's going to be required to to meet that, that menu. Um, and then from there, what type of space is going to be required to utilize that equipment and execute on that menu. 
um, and then putting together interior design wish lists that you want. So then you can maybe start scaling back if things are starting to get maybe out of budget. But essentially, this plan is going to be where you start to break down targeted costs um, and budgets for a variety of different startup uh, categories. Okay. Um, so anything else you want to touch on with the uh, – this is the uh, concept development plan before moving on to the actual business plan itself. And it, honestly, sure. hearing some of these these bullet points that you're sharing with us, I always – me personally, I always felt like these things went into the business plan. Yeah, well, you know, I, the way I look at business plans, it's more of a, a strategy plan, an action okay. plan, um, where these other ones are the steps leading up to those actions. Um, so in terms of business plan, you know, it's the third third plan in the step here is, you know, you're taking those two previous plans and you're putting them into action. You're developing strategic and SMART goals. Um, SMART goals are what are specific uh, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. That's what SMART uh, stands for. Um, it's putting accountability measures within the business. It is formulating uh, your support team, finalizing budgets, because the budget should go through a, a few different variations, um, putting your marketing plans together, your sales plans, um, and again, diving deeper into financials, including, uh, for example, break-even points, um, your key performance indicators, putting together mock labor schedules so you can see what uh, realistically what your your labor is going to potentially look like, um, hourly traffic flow um, with customers, those types of things. That's where the business plan kind of takes everything that you've put together in the previous two plans and takes them another step further. Um, and again, um, the business plan, it's really, I call it like a living document. It's something that should be reviewed um, at least quarterly, if not monthly. A lot of people complete their business plan, give it to a bank or an investor if it goes that route, or it just sits in the bottom of a drawer somewhere and is never looked at again. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you, do you have like PDFs uh, that you um, host on your website or anything you can share with me that kind of like list these things out like a, like a, like a, like a checklist, if you will? I do have a restaurant startup checklist on my website um, that anybody can download for free. Okay. And I also have um, like an average startup restaurant startup cost breakdown, breaking down a lot of different categories, many of which a lot of people don't kind of oversee. Can you share those links with me? So my listeners can uh, just find those real fast. I'll link to them in the show notes. Yeah. It's uh, keyrestaurantgroup.com slash services. All right, cool. I'll uh, link to uh, that page in the show notes. Uh, again, this is episode 473. Doug, anything else you wanted to dive into uh, before hitting the speed round? No, um, I think we we hit a lot of different things. Um, I just want to make sure the listeners know that these three plans are, are absolutely crucial. Um, there's a reason why there's such a high failure rates, in my opinion, um, in this industry, and it's because a lot of... Um, things are not uncovered properly um, prior to opening. And these three plans will definitely help in those types of situations. Beautiful. Um, All right. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back with some bombs of knowledge. (laughs) Everyone loves processing invoice after invoice. It's the best. (laughs) Not really. Just the sight of a filing cabinet is enough to make you sick, right? It doesn't have to be that way. With Sorcery, there's no more manually processing invoices by hand and no more cutting check after check. With Sorcery, you can organize all of your accounts digitally, scan your invoices, 
and pay your vendors with just one click. It is easy. Sorcery offers fully managed accounts and statements reconciliation, so you no longer spend hours on the phone with your vendors and banks that stinks. You now have the peace of mind knowing your accounts are being taken care of, and you can get back to work doing what you love, running unstoppable restaurants. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call one 6683006691 mention restaurant unstoppable and receive 10% off your first 3 months and say goodbye to your old filing cabinet and hello to the digital world with sorcery ap automation to be unstoppable, most restaurants require a little extra capital from time to time. It happens, right? Uh, when you need funding to like renovate or buy equipment or manage cash flow, you don't have time to just track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. And that is where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. And if you apply online, you'll get a decision right away, which is pretty awesome. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You'll never have to reapply to take out additional loans, and you only pay for the funds you use. Yeah, you're impressed, and I haven't even gotten to the impressive part. Cabbage has helped more than 130,000 businesses from every industry with over $4 billion in funding. Like, awesome. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company not once, but twice. Check out Cabbage at Cabbage with a K dot com slash restaurant unstoppable and you'll get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash restaurant unstoppable. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member, FDIC. Okay. And we're back. Doug, the first question I have for you is what is your it factor? Habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? My success? Wow. Um, being patient, um, working in this industry and working with a variety of different clients. Um, you have to be patient. You, you got to realize this is their their dream. It's their investment. Um, however, it can also be... Um, a difficult thing to, to go through as well because there's also a pace that you got to keep up with um, through building a restaurant as well. So, um, but definitely patience is a, is a huge thing uh, for me. Um, a lot of clients have mentioned that after we're done working, I appreciate your patience. That's been a key word that uh, I've kind of come accustomed to over the last uh, eight years or so. What is your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness um it's probably this going back to the last question is the patience. Um, you know, like, like I said, it can be a negative as well. Um, it's difficult to be too patient uh, with people. Um, it's like I said, it, in this industry and then doing a startup, you're like, you're on very strict timelines. Um, so sometimes I come too patient and, uh, and that's where, you know, some things can start happening, but, um, we always pick it up and, and move forward from there. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process, or maybe when you w- were uh, hiring for the uh, the Toronto airport? Well, one uh, one question I always ask now actually is, um, and it always gives an interesting answer is, 
Um, outside of using a pencil for writing, give me three things you could use a pencil for. Um, and the reason why I ask that is because I look for people that can think um, quickly on the spot. It's not usually a question that anybody coming to an interview um, researched online and, you know, is coming with prepared answers. So you're um, seeing so if they have the ability to think on the spot and get creative. Correct. Yeah, because when you're, let's just say you're a server um, in a restaurant, you know, you don't necessarily have to go and get the manager for every single little thing that might come up at the table and looking for somebody that can come up with a solution um, right there on the spot to make the customer happy, right? Oh, cool. Uh, what is a current challenge today or maybe a challenge that you see a lot of your clients dealing with? Um, technology, trying to embrace technology. Um, there's a lot of independent restaurants in particular that um, they don't know like there's just so much evolving in terms of technology especially in the restaurant industry right now they're kind of bombarded with oh you need to have this you need to have that um, that's definitely a challenge that a lot of independents are, are going through um, and they're just trying to pick which ones are going to be best for their for their operations and you know grow even growing into uh, other markets as well is definitely a challenge. So it sounds like the challenge is going through all the technology options out there and really asking like, which ones do I need? Which ones are a bunch of BS? And so So, many, so many of them have, you know, monthly subscriptions. You could sign up to all of the, all these technology type systems that are out there to help your restaurant and end up spending, you know, $3,000 in different subscription fees per month. Right. So you got to really look at what, what is most important to you um, and how you're going to embrace it within your operations and train your staff as well. If it's something that they need to know and how that system is going to go as well. I think honestly, when, when I, when I have this conversation with people, I say, you know, you don't need this technology to, to run a business. Uh, I would say start where you can um, and scale into the technology and let your cash flow determine what technology you're adopting. And then at the same time, I think, you know, time is our most valuable asset. When you're investing in this new technology, ask yourself, what's going to give me the most time? Is this going to help me save time so I can redirect my attention to uh, creating yeah, another what, channel of what's revenue? Most important or, to you yeah. and what your weaknesses are as, exactly. as an operator and how it's going to help you. It shouldn't be re- necessarily replacing something. That's my biggest pet peeve is where technology is replacing customer service and, mm-hmm. and that personal touch if you will. Um, that's definitely something that I don't uh, embrace too much. Um, I really, that's what I love about this industry as well is that personal connection, right? And I don't want to lose that. I think restaurants still need to um, remember and understand the fundamentals of operating a restaurant and why, why we're doing it. Cool. Good advice. So share one code of conduct or behavior you taught your team or you teach your clients to teach their teams. Um, just to be always willing to learn um, and be creative. Um, that's something you have to be creative. Um, don't you have to be innovative? You have to adapt to changes. Don't become complacent. Um, those are those are big things for me. How do you teach people how to be creative? That's yeah. That's I guess not something you can really. It's just to get in that message across that they have to again think outside the box and um, not do something, you know, there's, let's just say nachos or chicken wings, you know, like all these bars have 
chicken wings on their menu, but it's how are you going to make yours different from everybody else's in terms of sauces, plating, and all those types of things. You got to be creative. Um, and, and in terms of, you know, plating, you know, you got to think Instagram worthy kind of thing, right? Um, make sure uh, everything looks um, creative at the end of the day. I think the, the you kind of touched on a little bit briefly in that explanation, but I think the key thing um, is just to ask yourself how. I think a lot of times like we'll hit a roadblock and we're like, Oh, it's not possible. And as soon as we say that to ourselves, it's not possible. Like we cannot do it. Our creative mind shuts off. But as soon as we just say, how can I do this? It like turns on that creative portion of the mind that looks for solutions. And it doesn't have to be just the owner either. Um, Exactly. Something I always try to push is get your team involved as well. And there's actually like a system that we put into place uh, at most of the restaurants. And that's where, um, let's just say it's a, a kitchen item. The kitchen team creates a variety of different items over the course of a month. One is voted on as the best creative dish. And then that dish is then, um, promoted for the next month and that individual who created it gets a commission based off the sales of that one item. And what it does is just keeps everybody creative and, and coming up with new things all the time. And the same can be said for in the bar as well for creating like a drink, uh, for example. So it just keeps everybody creative. Great. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team or you have your clients teach their teams? Uh, it's just um, communication and and like I said, there's a lot of restaurants out there that they, the owners, they want to have the say with the customer and what happens there. Um, I prefer the other route where it's dealt with, with that, uh, that server, for example, that customers can write at the table, write with the guests, do it quick. Um, none of this uh, going back and forth. Oh, let me go get the manager kind of thing. It's something I try to teach everybody just to make, make a decision and, you know, and then deal with it as a team later. How could you have done that differently? Um, mm. So I'm just empowering your people. It, it, sounds, to, it, might, it might sound common, but it's actually uncommon because it's just, it's never really seen um, out there. Yeah. Just, just simply empowering your people saying, Hey, I give you permission to Absolutely. make a decision to resolve the issue. Um, and then if you have yeah, any questions, as to whether incorrect later, that's fine. You know, let's deal with it as, as a team and, and understand um, going forward so that everybody can learn from it. Right. So you should be having, you know, like a team meeting every day and go over those types of scenarios so that everybody can, can learn from it. Yeah. I think uh, too often uh, we don't debrief enough in this industry where we put a lot of emphasis in the pre meal uh, brief, the pre, like the, the pre-service meeting, but we never right. really reflect on like, how did that go? What could we have done better? Sure. Um, great stuff. All right. Share one online resource or tool um like for for restaurant owners there's obviously this podcast is a good online tool um, thank you <laughs> there's a lot of uh articles out there um everybody just needs to continuously learn um there's a lot of online resources podcasts blogs um and then there's and there's books give me a specific well. example of an online resource or blog that you go to regularly that you really uh get the yeah well, you know i do write for a few different publications so it might be a little biased but um, you know there's tipsy and uh, foodable and uh and locally for me the canadian restaurant food service magazine um and I guess, like you said, I got to give a shout out to Tipsy. They're the ones that got us together on this podcast. But um, they're a great online resource tool for uh, hospitality training. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, 
I mean, is that is that the uh, technology you're going to share, or should I hold off on that one? Uh, yes, that was essentially the... Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's one a book or, um, yeah, just one book that is a must-read to make us a better person or restaurant operator or owner? Uh, there's a lot of great uh, resources and books out there. I might just, the easiest thing for me would be to say the last one that I read, which was uh, Your Restaurant Sucks by Donald Burns. Yes. Um, I think it was recently released. And um, I think a lot of restaurateurs would get a lot out of that book as well. So that's something I would suggest. So real quick, Your Restaurant Sucks with Donald Burns. Quick shout out to my boy, Donald, who actually I think yeah. has been on the show three times now or at least two times. Nice. But he's going to be yeah. coming back on the show real quick to cover some of the, the key features from that book. What was the biggest takeaway um, from that book? Maybe something you learned from that book that you didn't know before reading that book. Um, yeah, just he's got a really good uh, sense for, for the leadership side of things. And that's a great tool to, to learn from. Um, and understand what 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 it takes to become a leader in the restaurants, um, and not just you know he really breaks down I guess the difference between like a manager and a leader, right? Um, so that was that was a key that was a key for me, and um, yeah. So what what's the what's the big difference between a manager and a leader? Well, a leader is somebody, obviously, they lead by example, somebody that's extremely hands-on, in my opinion, um, somebody that's willing to, to coach and, and empower their team, um, especially extremely important in this industry to do that and helps, helps set you apart from uh, other restaurants. Awesome. What is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant or you suggest your clients adopt in their restaurant and how's yeah. it been helping them? Yeah, for sure. Um, surprisingly, there's a lot of restaurants, um, especially independent restaurants and the smaller ones that don't even have point of sale systems. Um, if we are going to talk about technology, that is definitely one area that the first thing I suggest to everybody basically due to the, um, the financial tracking and the information that it's going to be able to provide you to make better business decisions moving forward. Um, so many of them have that ability to track inventory now, labor control. Those are all three key areas of uh, restaurant operations and challenges that almost every restaurant tour faces. So having that system is, it used to be extremely expensive. Um, it's definitely come down in cost uh, thanks to a lot of the new technology that is out there. So it's just getting that information out to um, these independents that, you know, it's not as expensive as it used to be. And it's actually going to be a great investment. To, so when, you moving when you're working with your clients, Doug, are there like a, a list of POSs that you recommend or one you tend to lean towards? And if yes, then which there's, one? There's a few. That's one thing uh, with my business is I, I never force anybody to go with any vendor or provider, I always give them a list of two or three options for everything, pretty much. The ones that I know as well, those will still develop, um, deliver the, the results they need. Um, in terms of point of sale, there is a couple out there. Um, there is um, Toast POS, um, which is um, larger in the States right now versus Canada. Um, then there is uh, Touch Bistro as well which is another, they're kind of similar in nature. So those are a couple that I would suggest at this point. 
both two great platforms that have been recommended a bunch on the show. And uh, we mentioned earlier, Tipsy, you, um, we're both fans of Tipsy. Uh, what is it about Tipsy that you um, get excited about? Why do you, why do you back yeah, that, I that tool? I think they, they're, it's innovative, um, what they got going on the platform. It's extremely user-friendly. Um, it's a great tool for almost any different position throughout uh, operating a restaurant or hospitality business. Like down to, I believe I have courses for front of house and you know being a barista and stuff like that as well. So um, there's something for everybody. Um, I think it's a great tool. It has that uh, system in place for for growth and uh, um, completing accomplishments and getting through to the next step. Yeah, and if you guys aren't familiar with Tipsy, essentially what it is, it's a an archive of the best of the best in the world instructors teaching what they're best at. So world champion baristas teaching how to pour the perfect or pull the perfect shot. Uh, sommeliers teaching you how to uh, pour wine at a table, what order you should go in the, the little, the, the little, the detailed things that the best of the best in the industry know uh, to be standard for great service. And they, they basically you can Absolutely. go through any topic that you can think of, put together a curriculum for your, your staff, a new hire and say, all right, like the, this is how we do things here. You have them watch those, those videos, uh, get them up to par with their knowledge. And then when they come in to train, you know that they at least have a foundation. So it's not replacing your, uh, liability to train these people, but it's, it's giving them something to, so they, they have an idea of where to start and then you, you bring them in for training. You, you, you know, um, you, you, you go through the motions, but it's a great way to give your team access to the best in the industry, uh, and to really set those standards high. It's a great platform. Um, Absolutely. cool. All right. This is the last question. If you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work, your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you can you can leave behind for the good of humanity what would those pieces of wisdom be um first one for me is something i like to to say quite a lot is you know values beat experience when experience doesn't work hard um it's definitely something a lot of people used to hire based on oh this person has the most experience um now you have to really weigh the difference between experience and what the values that that person's going to bring um to your team. Um, so in my opinion, values are better than ex- necessarily experience because you can teach um, experience. So. so hire the person, not the experience. What's number two? Um, find ways to maximize your moments. Uh, once an hour has gone by, you never get it back. So um, try to find a ways to maximize each, each moment of your day um, within your restaurant as well. And um, make sure you're maximizing it to its fullest potential. It's really difficult for restaurants in the afternoons, for example, 2 p.m. It's usually quite slow. What can you do to um, maximize that moment? Number three. Number three is, I would say, be innovative. Um, again, I kind of mentioned that prior, but kind of like that innovator die mentality. You definitely need to be innovative, creative, adaptive changes. Don't become complacent um, within your operations. You've got to always be trying to stay a step above. Beautiful. Again, those three, hire the person, not their experience. Maximize your moments. Be innovative. Doug, this has been a lot of fun chatting with you. Uh, you made a great guest. We wrap up every 
episode by calling somebody out. So who is one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire in this industry who you believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? Um, somebody uh, close to me is, uh, I would say, probably be my cousin, Sean Edmondson. He's the uh, owner of Bruce Wine Bar and uh, also a new restaurant called The Crow. Um, I would definitely suggest him for, for something like this. Uh, I think the knowledge and uh, forward thinking that he would bring would be good for your listeners. For and sure. that was Sean. What was the last name again? Edmondson. Sean Edmondson. Lookouts. I'm coming after you. I'd love <laughs> to get you on the show. And uh, again, real quick, how can my listeners connect with you? Uh, maybe they're opening a restaurant. They want access to these checklists. Uh, they want to Absolutely. lean on you for consultation. Yeah, and uh, just visit keyrestaurantgroup.com. And uh, there, there's a lot of information. Um, it's a couple of checklists that you can download. There's over 75 uh, blogs, uh, entries on there as well, and a variety of different topics about starting and operating a restaurant. And um, if you have any questions, reach out uh, via social media. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all the normal channels there. So happy to have a discussion with you there. What's your social handle? It is, for the most part, at Key Restaurants. All right. I'll have uh, your website in the show notes, your handle in the show notes. I'll also, if you can shoot me a link that links to those the framework to those plans that you're talking about. Uh, I'll link to those in the show notes. This is episode 473 head over to restaurant unstoppable.com slash four seven three. And I'll have uh, the link to those tools I just mentioned, plus a link to the books and services that were mentioned today's conversation all over there. Doug again, thank you for taking the time to share your story, your advice. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, having me on, and I look forward to future uh, conversations. For sure, dude. Peace. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Doug Racky. Thanks again, Doug, for joining us. And I think the big two lessons I took from today's conversation, first, really get clear on what you're willing to do. And the best way to get clear on what you're willing to do is to do a feasibility plan. Uh, Is this restaurant going to be feasible? Does the location support what I want to do? Uh, Does my bankroll support what I want to do? Does my emotional willingness support what we want to do? Get super clear on all those things. And also, I think Doug had some great advice on getting outside of your comfort zone. Remember, it's in this area of discomfort that we grow. So get comfortable being uncomfortable and great things will happen uh, for Doug. That meant networking, meeting more people. And because of that, he had, uh, he got headhunted and he created opportunities for himself. So great stuff today. And on that note of, are you willing? Uh, you might know that one of the reasons why I went out to Thailand was to work on the platform uh, and to get the help from my friend. Who's uh, really good at this type of thing. And uh, after putting together a plan and uh, discussing what it's going to take. Uh, he helped me realize that, uh, you know, actually you could even say that we did our own feasibility plan. And what he helped me realize is that I'm not quite there yet. The uh, additional work I'll have to do to deliver what I want to deliver to you. I don't really have the bandwidth quite yet. And I'm going pretty hard 
uh, just keeping three episodes a week coming strong. And I, I made the decision to hold off on doing these extra things uh, to uh, achieve my vision, the things I wanted to, to create for you, because I'm not willing to sacrifice the quality of the podcast to do more. Uh, I think I'm providing right now a, a lot of value with, with just the podcast alone. And um, I don't want to lower that standard to offer other things. So uh, just, you know, I feel like now is a good time to share this with you because of the co- the content we cr- recorded today. And I think it, it's really relevant. Uh, do a feasibility plan. Uh, will what you want to do make sense right now? And if it's not, uh, you know, really get clear. Are, are you willing to do all these extra things? I was not willing. So I hope you guys appreciate my decision. Uh, I realize I'm all over the place sometimes, uh, but you know I'm always pushing. I'm always trying to take it to the next level. Sometimes uh, you just got to be patient, and uh, I'm being patient right now. So I hope you can be patient with me while I'm being patient with myself in uh, growing this sucker. And uh, thank you for understanding. All right, guys, uh, that's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.